Welcome to the audio podcast, the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. We continue our multi-access worship both online in our recently renovated sanctuary. Sunday morning service is in person at 11 a.m. and we are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. Good morning, First Church. I am indeed honored to give this presentation today as we celebrate the birthday of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Some of you know that I was raised in the Baptist Church, so you may see a little of that today. I want to bear witness. As I was listening to that beautiful, music, I thought of something I hadn't thought about in years, and it made me very emotional. My dad was born in 1898, two generations after slavery, and those songs were his favorite songs. Take my hand, precious Lord, and I've been buked, and I've been scorned. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord and my Redeemer. The title of my sermon is Myths, Dreams, and Miracles. I'll touch on these topics, but I want to give the ending away now. I believe in the miracle of the resurrection, in the miracle of our lives, and yes, in the miracle of this congregation we call First Church. We have the collective responsibility to secure the future for all of our children. It's not too late, but time's a-wasting. As we did earlier, we welcomed worshipers and guests. And I'd like to give a special acknowledgement and greeting to Pastor Roland Gordon, affectionately known as Reverend G, and the congregates from Ingleside Presbyterian Church in San Francisco, several of whom regularly worship with First Church as I regularly worship with them thanks to the difference in time zones and technology. Ingleside is a small but mighty church. It is the church to which I often refer as having an exemplary tradition of generosity and compassion. Reverend G is a 2023 recipient of the Jefferson Awards Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis Award for extraordinary community service. He has developed the San Francisco World Peace Affirmation, which is inserted in our bulletin today. As with Dr. King, Reverend G is a man of peace. When Dr. King called for ending the Vietnam War, it was controversial at the time. Some people thought, You're supposed to be a pastor dealing with those civil rights things. 
Stay in your lane. Stay in your place. But Dr. King pursued. He persevered. He spoke truth to power, and he received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. At age 35, the youngest to have been awarded the honor at that time. I think Dr. King would appreciate the efforts of Reverend G and this church to promote peace. Let me read, and you can read it with me like they do out in Ingleside in San Francisco, the San Francisco World Peace Affirmation. I am an instrument of peace. Where there is hatred, I shall promote love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. I shall not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is giving that I receive, and it is in pardoning that I am pardoned. Thank you, Reverend G, for your inspired ministry, also in the spirit of our own Reverend Dr. Paul Smith. You know I had to call Dr. Paul yesterday to let him know that I, was, I had the honor of talking this morning, and he sent his love to everyone. Paul Smith, as a college student at Talladega College, in an extraordinary moment in history, introduced Martin Luther King to Andrew Young who became his lifelong friend and mentors, both of them. Dr. Paul is today at the Washington National Cathedral as Ambassador Young delivers the King's Sermon. Ambassador Young, thanks to Dr. Paul, has also graced this church with a sermon. Dr. Paul's influence on First Church is without peer, another historic moment. He came three decades ago after working in several churches, including co-pastoring an integrated church that was odd at the time, uh, 40 years or so ago, with the Reverend Dr. Carl Dudley, Elder Nate Dudley's father. Dr. Paul, as did Dr. King, followed the teachings of the Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman the renowned theologian and mystic who founded the Church for the Fellowship of All Peoples and for whom the Thurman Room at First Presbyterian Church is named. Y'all did know that, right? <laughs> I talked to someone a couple weeks ago who didn't. I said, I had to slip that in here. <laughs> when Dr. Paul came to First Presbyterian, the congregation could fit in just a few pews but with his vision, energy, and outreach. He set us on a path to a vibrant, intentionally diverse and inclusive community that continues to grow and innovate. Among his many inspired gifts to First Church was the hiring of Amy Nooner, now our Minister of Music. 
time, and y'all know who you are, some were wondering if this little white woman, she knows I say this lovingly, could fulfill her passion of bringing gospel and the African-American musical tradition into what had been a rather staid church. Well, she did. Dr. Paul also championed lesbian and gay rights long before we had enlightenment and expanded it to LBGTQIA and brought the presbytery along, sometimes reluctantly, to use a polite word. <laughs> Where once First Church was a rebel outlier, we are now a model. As my late mother would say, you shouldn't have to get credit for doing the right thing, but I'd like to acknowledge our influence in this area. Dr. Paul's legacy of opening up, up to new possibilities paved the way for our first female senior minister, Pastor Adrian Thorne, who is now the senior minister at the Riverside Church. Actually, she was the second, I'm sorry. And then there is Minister Connor Foley, who at about the same age of Dr. King during the Montgomery bus boycott has seen us through rough and still waters as we search for a senior minister. Connor came for such a time as this. Connor's wisdom, <laughs> compassion, and willingness to challenge and explore biblical texts, sometimes way beyond my ability to understand, that we don't often think about or that we take for granted, have moved us to another level. Recently, for example, Connor wanted us to consider whether the three wise men gave the baby Jesus a penance of their wealth, or did they, after a long journey in which they probably had to pay for safe passage, give all that they had left. Think about that a second. And now we are blessed to have as our interim senior pastor, the Reverend Denila Noble, who offers this king quote, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. In our Old Testament reading is one of the quotes often associated with Dr. King, Amos 5, verse 24. But let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. King and other versions say justice. That particular inspirational moment follows a rebuke for false worship, a rejection of idols and injustice. That but is a mighty big word. That but says your gifts mean nothing without you pursuing justice. You have to move the arc of the universe toward justice, as Dr. King would say. I saw a headline this week that said some evangelical leaders are losing power over their congregations. And I thought, hmm, maybe they're seeing the gospel light. 
Then I read a little bit further, and it said, because they prefer to worship their idol, Trump. Don't miss this. Some white evangelicals have bought into the diabolical myth of Trump as divine retribution or whatever. These so-called religious leaders have conceded the moral and ethical high ground so much that they are losing it entirely. You cannot justify evil. Among our guests today are visitors from France, and I wanted to mention Mont Saint-Michel in France, which is a, an abbey built decades ago. And in Mont Saint-Michel, when you walk through there, you can almost feel the archangel uh, Michael wrestling evil. So it's a, it's, a wrestle, it's a fight between good and evil. And some people say you can't really talk about evil, but I believe in God. I also believe that there's Satan, and we have to fight those forces. We have to fight against people who willingly try to manipulate people, people who do know better. You can't say they don't know better, are trying to define when genocide is not genocide. I mean, really. Again, from Martin Luther King, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, whether in Ukraine, Israel, Gaza, anywhere. Dr. King was a man of and ahead of his time, a brilliant, complex leader and prophet, a man of God, a man of faith, a true follower of Jesus Christ. Our country and our world are better because he walked among us and used his eloquent voice to call for justice, peace, and love for all people. His dream is to set us all free. In the New Testament reading, we read, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me also say, as we often sing in this church, yes, I love the Lord. He heard my cry. And as our former associate pastor, Beth Waldemath, would say, God help us, she would say that at the end of her sermon sometimes. Now please allow me an indulgence for a moment. I was on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. in 1981 at a rally with several hundred people where the great Stevie Wonder called for this holiday and was instrumental in its birth. I have to remind young people, this was not done by corporations. This was done by people, committed people. This was a call by Stevie Wonder. Stevie's song, and yes, we all call him Stevie, Happy Birthday was the inspirational engine behind his cap this campaign. Stevie's song 
is today's postlude, and it's also sung every year at the Derrick Bell Lecture at NYU. But on that day, Stevie recalled the profound words and contributions of Dr. King. Injustice in any form affecting anyone was viewed by Dr. King as a threat to everyone. Oppression against one group is oppression against us all. His efforts reflected a moral drive to improve the life of all human beings. By commemorating Martin Luther King's birthday, we do more than honor one man, however extraordinary. We honor the profound spirit of love and concern for humanity that gives us life and inspires us all. Stevie Wonder. Dr. King, a servant leader himself, proclaimed, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. There were countless servant leaders who helped create and were part of the American Civil Rights Movement, our freedom movement. Among them, Bayard Rustin, the chief organizer of the 1963 March on Washington for jobs and freedom. Let me say that again, for jobs and freedom, whose critical role is achieving long overdue recognition in the movie Rustin. A brilliant man, but also black and gay. His role at the time was underplayed. People did not want to distract from what they felt were the larger issue of civil rights, not reeling the civil rights was human rights and Bayard Rustin's story needed to be told, but, but this was at the time we were in. Rustin was also a pacifist and added to King's understanding about nonviolent protest that King had studied from the life of Mahatma Gandhi and with the Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman, among others. Also underplayed were the women of the movement. I'll share one brief story. The movement began long before the March on Washington. Actually, the seeds of it started at the beginning of the last century. One significant event was the 1955, 56-year-long Montgomery bus boycott, largely planned, coordinated, and sustained by women. Recently called as pastor of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, this event helped propel Dr. King and Rosa Parks to prominence. Less known was the role of Joanne Robinson, a teacher at the local black college and president of the black civil rights organization, the Women's Political Council. The Women's Political Council had planned and strategized for the day when a bus boycott would happen and were ready when Rosa Parks sat down to stand up for justice. Absent mass transportation, they planned alternate transportation and communications systems 
and they walked, many of them, for over a year. You can't get people to walk across the street these days. <laughs> Remember, and when I talk to young people, they're always astounded. There were no cell phones, internet services, and many poor people did not even have landlines. The women stayed up all night on the day Rosa Parks sat down on that bus to distribute flyers calling for the boycott. They waited anxiously to see if people would heed the call, and they did. The buses rolled by, mostly empty. Withstanding white violence and pervasive threats to their lives and livelihoods, many people lost their jobs. The black people of Montgomery persevered. Their heroic actions and sacrifices resulted in the integration of the buses there and a Supreme Court ruling on public accommodations. The women of Montgomery epitomized authenticity, courage, and purpose, as I've had the privilege to write about in my book, Lighting the Fires of Freedom, African American Women and the Civil Rights Movement. You may have noticed this, that today, black people and other people are under attack. I'll go back to the forces of evil, but I'll not go in my Baptist mode again on that. Particularly black women have been under attack. The personal uh, remarks about uh, Bonnie Willis, Letitia James, and others are reprehensible. Reprehensible. But these women are standing up for justice. There have been others who have done that in the spirit of Martin Luther King, of course. The great Constance Baker Motley, who's the first woman on the NAACP Legal Defense Fund staff, uh, first woman, first uh, African-American to be Manhattan Borough President. Uh, and during the Civil Rights era, she helped integrate both the universities of Georgia and Mississippi assisted by one Derek Bell, you might have heard of him. <laughs> so, I gave you the end of the story at the beginning because I know that there are miracles and I stand here to say we move forward with joy. We always walk in joy. That's one thing that cannot be taken away from us. That's our superpower. Although we have been buked and scorned, we know that the precious Lord has taken our hands as we let our little light shine. And yes, and yes, we work tirelessly to let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you were fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. 
The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide multi-access worship options both in person and online Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We are live in the sanctuary, as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on both online and in-person worship. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.